Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. And it is the final Friday of the year. The final FP1 and FP2 that we will see in 2023. And I know for a fact that Tommy is shedding many a tear knowing that he is not going to have to see what happened in FP1 and FP2. Uh, You know, Abu Dhabi free practice is my favourite session of the year. Um, although to be fair, we did actually. It was there was at least some interest because teams ran different drivers, so at least there was some uniqueness uh, that side. But yeah, uh, when you used to to sprints and there's not much to play for, there's a bit to play for for this final race. Um, we'll see. Come on, I was going to say the FP1 session was rather interesting actually actually, with the amount of uh, young drivers that were in there but before we dive into any more of that uh, we've still got some tickets uh, for our P1 live show in Manchester unfortunately London and Glasgow are sold out but Manchester is a rather large arena so if you still want to come along to listen to me and Tommy chat some waffle have some interactivity basically the best F1 show you will ever see then there'll be a link to the uh, to the tickets in the description and also on our social media as well. So please come along if you'd like to. Manchester is the 3rd of December, I want to say. I, I think that's so, correct. Because yes. then the 5th is Glasgow and the 10th is London. So we hope to see you there. Okay, let's talk about FP1 then, shall we? And as we sort of mentioned, rookies being used left, right and centre. Both Red Bulls, Jake Dennis and Isaac Hadjar, uh, were the two drivers there. Then Robert Schwartzman was in the Ferrari. Frederick Vesti was in the Mercedes. Jack Doohan in the Alpine. Pato Ward in the McLaren. Teo Porcher in the Alfa Romeo. Felipe Drogovic in the Aston Martin. Zach O'Sullivan in the Williams. And Oliver Behrman in the Haas. So very much a end of season Almost like it was almost like a a young driver's test, but in an actual Formula One session, uh, which made it very, very interesting to just see who would impress, um, I guess, coming into this session. uh, Well, a previous free practice that Oli Behrman had uh, for Haas. He was incredibly um, uh, impressive. Uh, And he also did the same sort of thing uh, this time around for for Abu Dhabi, as well as the other standout, which would have obviously been Felipe Drogovic. Uh, yeah, it was classic. Uh, we've seen this trend really um, every year since it was introduced that they have to run uh, a rookie in one of their cars. Uh, sorry, as in every car has to run a rookie. So um, at some so point, essentially yeah. at some point, so it has to be twice uh, for each team, uh, and every driver has to miss one out. Uh, and it's quite clear that the teams get to the end of the season when there's yeah, I guess not much to play for. Quite a, kind of a normal track, one that's good for testing anyway because it's got a lot of different types of corners uh, and they throw all their young drivers in uh, at the last minute and that's exactly what happened. But there were some very impressive uh, drivers, particularly Drogovic. I mean, we say not much to play for. Uh, Ferrari and Mercedes Sorry, are disputing for second. P2. Well, yeah, that is 10 million True. apparently, which is uh, a lot of money, um, even for Formula One teams like this. They both want to uh, win that win that fight. You know, there's a very disputable advantage that you get for finishing third rather than second with a slight bit more of wind tunnel time, but it's very, very small incremental amounts. And I'm sure that teams don't throw away constructors' places unless you're like Aston Martin and they you know, decided that they wanted a whole heap of wind tunnel time at the beginning of the season. But I, I, I can't see that particularly happening because all teams uh, run with, with some kind of 
uh, money in mind. But yeah, it was very interesting, wasn't it, to, to watch the drivers go around. And if anything, it was it was strange that some of the more experienced drivers, well, more experienced than being a rookie, uh, were the ones that were getting involved one way or another with blocking. We had Lance Stroll at one point um, blocking Isaac Hadjar and just literally sitting on the racing line going into the hairpin, as, as Lance Stroll does. Carlos Sainz was getting lots of just quite... Quite mean comments, actually, uh, about Carlos. You know, Oscar Piastri saying, "Oh, you know, Carlos, you know, on the racing line again." You know, basically just saying that it always happens and very sassy. Uh, and George Russell as well. You know, oh, that was very dangerous, uh, and uh, sort of insinuating that perhaps uh, Carlos Sainz deserved some kind of penalty. Um, although I feel like maybe he might be thinking karma uh, when we go into FP2 chat. Uh, yes, and also. Um apologies in advance uh, well apologize already that uh, i didn't mention robert schwartzman because i've just looked at his time and he's very close to carlos science so he was also very impressive i think he deserves a shout out as well um yeah it's 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 very interesting to see the the drivers run uh, in fp1 because a lot of the time i want to say was it vesti i think no sorry not vesti uh yuri vips in the red bull last year or the beginning of this year uh where he did a uh he did some running uh and you know he's four or five seconds off the pace because they just do a diff- completely different run plan essentially and don't get to do quick laps but you know the whole field's separated by 1.4 seconds uh, you know Behrman's close to his teammate schwartzman's close to his teammate Drogovic has beaten his teammate uh so yeah, uh, it's it's nice to see them actually do some competitive running where we can see what they can do, uh, and it's no mean feat to to jump in a car when the other driver's been driving all year and be competitive with them. So fair play to those guys. Absolutely, uh, of course, Dragovic is the one that stands out the most, finishing P two in free practice one, and and that is such a sensational achievement, as you say. You know, it doesn't have that experience that that Lance Stroll has, for example. Um, and to to get so high up that session, not just to you know be compa- comparable to his teammate, but uh, to be a couple of tenths off being fastest in FP one, that was yeah an unbelievable performance. And I know that the whole of Brazil are going to be incredibly happy uh, with Felipe doing that. On the flip side of that, where's he going to go? Is he going to get a Formula One seat? These kind of things, and that's what the questions that only Williams start to really. come up. And you know, these opportunities are great. For, for some of the drivers to showcase what they can do. But on the other side, you kind of almost feel sorry for them because they clearly are very capable of getting up to speed incredibly quickly, Dragovic being one of them. Um, Schwartzman, of course, as well as you say, doing, doing well in the Ferrari. So it's sad that only a 20-car grid can fill so many spots when you have all this, this young talent. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing Dragovic in P2... Uh, no offence to, to Lance Stroll, but it's really made me wish we could have got to have seen what he could have done in those first, you know, sessions. Uh, obviously, Lance Stroll uh, miraculously uh, returned and did a very good job, but it did look like Drogovic was going to start the season after Stroll's injury, and it would have been very interesting to see him do a race and see how how he'd have done. Um, because, you know, he absolutely smashed F2. Um there's always that thing of like maybe it wasn't the most competitive year, but my God, his points tally was unbelievable. Uh, and now for him to actually do a session as well and look pretty good, um, it just makes you wonder like whether uh, he is on Williams's radar maybe. Um, but I think that there's been rumours of that of that before. Um, sad reality is there's 
Only one seat, like you say. All signs seem to point towards Logan Sargent keeping his seat. Yeah, uh, the rumours, at least, that are flying around and and whatnot, because you know, it's, it's not it's not easy to to start poaching other drivers, and then that's a risk in itself, and 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 all that sort of stuff. But yeah, uh, Dragovic, uh, very very impressive. Question from Dakota Moyer of the ro- of the rookies who participated in FP1. Who would you rank as the most likely to secure an F1 seat in the future? Oh, well, I mean, off the Behrman's back of... has got time on his side, I think. Previous comment. Behrman, I think, is is one, and I think Porcher is is another. I don't think, obviously, either are going to get onto the, the, the grid next year because there's one seat remaining. But 2025, I think, will probably uh, be the moment that we see perhaps the likes of Porcher um, uh, and and Behrman get that opportunity because, uh, especially Behrman, you know he's he's impressed massively in the the practice sessions that he's had. Um, but then you've got uh, Antonelli, for example, who's been jumped up from um, not even going through F three straight to F two, um, and that and he is highly highly uh, anticipated as a driver that could even make the grid uh, for then. So there, there, there's plenty of young talent but there's not a lot of seats at the moment. But fingers crossed for them, 2025 might open a few doors. But you look at the current grid and are there really going to be that many drivers that want to voluntarily vacate their seat? Probably not. No, and I think we've seen now, particularly the likes of someone like Fernando Alonso, that you can go very late into your career and still be competitive. So Fernando is a unique... I know he is a a unique one, but but still, I think it... There'll be other drivers that think they can like extend their their careers maybe a bit longer than we used to, you know. And I think that the fact that it's so difficult because I think Porcher is probably one of the best shouts actually because he's twenty years old, so he's got you know he's looking very good. Uh, he's not going to win the F two championship, I don't believe. Um, uh, which is good for him because uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to win it. Um, is he not? What's the... Uh, let me check. I'm pretty sure he is running... No, sorry, it is Porcher that's winning. I was going to say, I am talking absolute to... waffle. I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> I was like, how, how has it gone that badly? <laughs> oh, God. This is the problem with F2. Why, why is there such a big gap? It was Monza the last race. That's so long ago. I've forgotten everything. I'm sorry. It's Vesti that's second. Um, so, yeah, Porcher probably does want to just bottle the... Uh, the final race deliberately. I mean, so he's he 25 points ahead. So even yeah. if he wants to bottle it, I don't think that's going to maybe uh, happen. And, you know, but we've the, seen Piastri, haven't we, day, do we? that, where does a does a season, you can take a year out and still join Formula 1 and be good. So I think he's going to he's gonna be one of those people that, that sits on the pit while at Alfa Romeo putting pressure on, uh, particularly like Joe Guan Yu, uh, of like, you know, if you don't improve, we've got a a young driver waiting. So I'd say he's probably uh, the favourite, I'd say. Right, let's talk about um, the almost huge crash uh, between uh, Mr. Logie Bear and uh, Jack Doohan. Um, people sort of blaming Logan Sargent for this. I know he's kind of dilly-dallying on the line, uh, on the racing line, but it, this is more to do with the team, in my opinion, um, because of how quickly you come round that penultimate corner. Logan has hardly any time to react. So for me, it's not Logan's fault. It's the team's fault. I think the team even were talking to him about his preparation lap as opposed to, um, you know, the Red Bull coming up, uh, sorry, not Red Bull, Alpine coming up behind behind him so uh, you know the Logan slander I don't think is 
is necessary. He got a five thousand euro fine, which is strange, uh, and I think his second reprimand of the year. And uh, F1 TV and Alex and uh, and Julian Palmer were joking about um, how they're trying to top up the Christmas um, FIA dinner that they might be having and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, it was quite a quite a close call. I think uh, Jack Doohan in the car uh, was was a little bit flustered and the team just just a bit just like, chill out all right we're all good it's okay because when you look at it you go there have been plenty closer incidents than that one but of course with jack and the the lack of experience that he has it probably felt like a rather large uh, missed call there yeah it probably felt very scary and the the last thing like like realistically the only thing you don't want to do uh, in this session is have a big crash and cost the team money so it probably felt a lot worse than it was. Uh, but I totally agree with the whole Logan thing. Um, the reality is modern Formula One, while they, of course, have mirrors, they don't have a big you know, circuit map like we do in video games that tell you where every single car is all the time. And they rely so much now on their engineers constantly feeding information about who's behind them, how quick they're coming up behind them. Um, and it, it is weird because you look at it on TV and you go, that's Logan Sargent's fault, but the it's the teams now that have to relay that information to drivers, and that, that is always the case of blocking now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Let's go to free practice two then. And the normal order was restored. No rookies in this session. Um, and yet we had more red flags than uh, than the session where we had uh, all the young drivers going around. Uh, the first and um, biggest moment was, was certainly Carlos Sainz at turn three, who uh, hit a bump. Had a bit of dirty air from the car ahead, who was who was out the way, but still uh, disturbs a little bit of air. And just the Ferrari goes round. You look at the onboard, and there's nothing that Carlos could have done. It was just simply a combination of factors, which meant that uh, he lost the car and, and, and smashes into the wall. And the, the big thing for me that came from this is that after Brazil, I'm pretty sure Fred Vasseur said in one way or another that if they have another crash, they could be in a big trouble when it comes to the cost cap and Carlos Sainz has crashed in free practice um, so let's see how bad of a situation Ferrari are in uh, in terms of that and whether they can repair the car hopefully they can fingers crossed but uh, another sort of blow for Carlos Sainz in free practice uh, in back-to-back weekends yeah no more sandwiches for Ferrari for the rest of the year I guess if there's no budget cap how expensive are their sandwiches <laughs> But the um, we've seen this before, uh, obviously with Lando in the last race. You hit a bump, you, the car gets unsettled, and there's literally like, you know, maybe maybe in the older days of Formula One, you see the drivers, you know, like wrestling the car and 
doing these miraculous saves. It seems like Formula One now, the cars are so on rails and so finely balanced that one little, you know, one little moment, you can't save it. You're just flying, you're like spearing off into the wall. And that's it's a less exactly extreme version like. of when, you know, the older Formula One, when they had ground effect and, and that that exact yeah. thing happened. You know, this is what the cars rely on the most is the suction that the, the ground effect uh, brings the cars. And as soon as that air is disturbed underneath the car, the grip just goes like that. And then yep. comes back again, hence why the porpoising, you know, something that we saw so much last year, is that exact effect. But if you have it through a corner, you lose all grip and, and you're flying into the wall. And you know, th- this is you know, this is the way in which Formula One cars are now. This is how they're designed. This is what the regulations um, have brought, and it hasn't been that much of a problem. But I feel like towards the end of this year, we have had a few issues around ride height and getting the cars right. And of course, we've had the plank issue in, in, in the US and, and then a lot of bottoming out in, in, in free practice one. Um, that it seems like teams are struggling quite a bit to, to find that window that allows for the car to obviously go as quickly as possible without just randomly losing grip and, and smashing into the wall. Yeah, apart from Red Bull, apparently, all season. <laughs> uh, other than Singapore, of course. Exactly. They're not flawless, mate. They have lost one race this year. Um, <laughs> uh, we we uh, were right. They can't win every race, and they didn't. Yep. And Ferrari came in clutch. Well done, Carlos Sainz, but obviously not for free practice too. Uh, and then you know, we, we got back underway after a long delay because of the uh, barrier needing, be, needing to be repaired and Carlos Sainz having to be, uh, well, his car having to be uh, removed from the track. And I did f- enjoy uh, the um, behind the scenes because uh, I've been watching on F1 TV this weekend and uh, uh, trying to film the Ferrari and then Joe Bauer and lots of people were trying to basically just shove the cameras away and it was quite the altercation. Um, but uh, but yes, um, fingers crossed they'll be okay. But And then the other crash was Hulkenberg almost immediately after the green light went uh, on at the end of the pit lane, uh, losing it at turn one, which was a strange incident. It was just running slightly wide and then getting on the power and, and losing the rear end just through running that slight bit wide on the AstroTurf. And, and then again, we have another red flag and you know, things add up. It's not the end of the world. Max Verstappen's still probably going to win, but he wasn't in the car for FP1. He had about 15 minutes of running, maybe 20 minutes of running in, in free practice too. It's It doesn't help. It doesn't, but he did get to uh, practice his racecraft in the pit lane with the two uh, Mercedes, which was quite an interesting that moment. Was, he just doesn't. He's so switched on at all times. It's crazy. Like, he was complaining about the coming out of the uh, of the garage and saying that that needs to be noted and looked at because it was yeah. they were pushing in the queue and this man never has a day off even on a friday of practice on the final race of the season when you have 549 points in the championship you've got more than double of your teammate who's in second and he's still like no i will try and get every advantage possible and that is just a winner's mentality uh, and i certainly wouldn't be able to do it i would have had a day off many 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 moons ago if i was in his position yeah, I, I do genuinely think it's all part of his, you know, master plan of being a Formula One driver and how he's approached it. There's been many talk, like many chats about kind of the way he's driven up to this point of his career is all building up to that moment where uh, as soon as he gets a good car, no one wants to race him because they're just like, one, what's the point? Or two, I'm probably going to crash. And it's clearly working because people do race him differently. You see a lot of drivers just almost get out of the way <laughs> away of him because they're they're worried. And I think it is just like he's always intimidating other drivers, even in 
what you could argue is a nothing session at the end of the season when the title's already wrapped up it's all it's I, I genuinely feel like it's that constant reminder to every single person you know even like you know Lewis Hamilton or whatever that he was and George Russell that he's going alongside with it's like look I'm here and if you improve your car and whatever you, you I'm still going to be here and intimidating you and stuff like that so yeah it's classic classic max but um back to the Hulkenberg thing very rare to see the fact that we've seen two crashes at a track that is kind of often ridiculed for being a bit of a car park and there's so much runoff and you can't really end up in the wall to see two red flags is very bizarre <laughs> yeah my uh my prediction of 20 cars finishing the race isn't looking particularly good at this stage but maybe they're getting all their errors out uh, immediately going back very quickly to, to what you said about max verstappen and um the uh no one wanting to race him i feel like we should just mention the chaos that was has been going on in the media and the whole Hamilton Verstappen yes. Christian Horner uh, debacle, which was an absolute nothing story um, by the sounds of it. But Christian Horner appears to have made it larger than it should have been. Where he's made it sound like Hamilton was trying to go to Red Bull, and Hamilton said, "Well, no." He texted me, and I, it was on my old phone, and. And and then I saw it, and then said good luck. And I'm sure there's plenty more truth behind the scenes that uh, that will never come out. But I, I did just find it very like, oh, of course, it's the end of the season, and this kind of rubbish is just flying around. Uh, but I was surprised for it to not, you know, ra- rather than like a tabloid or some journalist going, oh, I've heard rumours that it, you know it's coming straight out of Mercedes versus Red Bull in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was like, I think the article that it came out was the Daily Mail of what, what Horner said, and then he kind of mentioned it, but backtracked a bit. There's there's loads of talk, isn't there? Because like, Fernando Alonso mentions on the regular that he gets approached by Red Bull and all this kind of stuff. And I bet there are talks going all the time. And it's how much of a talk is a talk? Do you know what I mean? Like when you're in when you're in the paddock and Anthony Hamilton. Put that just goes, down. That's a great quote. That's yeah, a great quote. How much quote. of a talk so is a talk? Just, wow. Well, at the end of the season, you've really got it flying. I know. Um, but when you're, you know, having a having a chat with with someone, and yeah, what what constitutes to being like, oh, I've spoken to Hamilton. It's like, yeah, have you, or have you just said hello in the paddock, or spoke? It seemed like you spoke to his dad or something. Um, I love how Lewis is like, I haven't spoken to Horner in years. It's like, have you not? Like, have you not yeah, even you just said have. anything to him in the paddock? Because I did see a lot of people uh, commenting on that whole thing uh, where Hamilton was like, I haven't spoken to him in years. And then it was, so I replied to a text uh, that he said. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. <laughs> he like, says it literally in the very next sentence. I'm like, yeah. oh, you uh, yeah, changed your mind now. Um, but how yeah. much of a talk is a talk? That is a, that is a question. Uh, it really is. And one that will never be answered. I know, and the fact as well that Perez has finally sort of had a good race, secured P2 in the title, and it's like, right, there'll be no chat over a seat, and then Christian Horner drops a Lewis Hamilton to Red Bull rumour. It's like, I bet he's like, brilliant, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> just, 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 just one, the pressure one I need now. Off, please, yeah. just one weekend. Uh, question from I'm Anonymous 352 Alpha Tauri is showing some good pace. Do you think it will be enough to catch Williams in the championship? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't get too excited. It's a big uh, margin for Danny one Rick, race. Danny Rick, 12th, uh, and Yuki Tsunoda, 15th. If anything, I want to talk about Alfa Romeo. 
yes. who looked incredibly quick. Bottas looked at my biggest flop prediction and went, not today, although there is still plenty of time for that to come true. Uh, but my God, they looked so quick at the end of FP2. I know the question was about Alpha Tauri. My very quick answer to that is they don't look particularly special at all. What do you think, Tommy? Uh, they, they're looking good. Like they're, they're looking good, better than Williams. But I, I think... They needed to score in that last race. I think the gap is too big. That they'd need a, a big old score uh, in the final race to to out cat, like to catch Williams in the championship in essentially the final race. But Alfa Romeo uh, fourth and seventh at the end of free practice two. Bottas putting in an absolute corker of a lap, only a couple of tenths behind Charles Leclerc's fastest time. No, I haven't mentioned it, but. I thought I would that Charles Leclerc topped FP2. Uh, but Lando Norris very much there as well. So we will see how that one unfolds. But yes, Alfa Romeo, they've got, they look like right now that they've got a car that can absolutely push itself into, into Q3. Of course, second practice being the most representative session uh, that we that we have uh, for, for this weekend, just purely because of the time of day. Um, but that being said, you know, a lot of these teams were rushed into doing or trying to do all of their running that they wanted to do in FP2 in about 20 minutes. So I'm sure uh, there were a few um, disadvantaged runs. Uh, for example, Charles Leclerc literally just went out, did his flying lap without any sort of prep. 24-8, boom, straight in the locker. And that's why he's the GOAT. Yeah, uh, yeah. like I say, I've not even mentioned the fact that Charles Leclerc was fastest. but He's had uh, three poles in the last four race weekends. That's mad, isn't it? But how have Leclerc... I not predicted him? And the one time I didn't predict, uh, didn't predict him pole. No, one time I did predict him pole was the time he didn't get pole. Cheers. Oh, it's, our wheel knowledge is impeccable, isn't it? Um, Leclerc, Norris, and Verstappen. Uh, you know, essentially a tenth, well, two tenths apart. Uh, if that's first result in qualifying, yes, please, that'd be a good race. I saw uh, the performance graphic where it was like comparing from obviously the start of the season to Brazil and the graphic was suggesting that Ferrari are eight thousandths of a second behind or maybe it was eight hundredths, either or, less than a tenth behind Red Bull in terms of car performance and pace. I don't uh, believe that. I maybe well, over one lap pace sure, but I mean it depends what it's being measured. I guess that's what it is. Here. It's over one lap, yeah. which I would argue that the Ferraris are very good over one lap like it's it's the races that's let them down this year um and you know we mentioned about Verstappen's gonna have the most dominant season I don't it's a very very good car and you can't deny that but it's certainly not absolutely far and away uh dominating but I did nearly yeah. put a tweet out being like, oh, the Red Bull's so good it drives itself. And then FP1, obviously, both rookies were down at like 15th and 16th in the Red Bull. And it's like, no, you can't just get in there and you yeah, know, pop quite. your grandma in and then you're going to go fastest in, in free practice. It's it's not that simple. No, and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's, it's going to be fascinating to see if... Because uh, was it last year Leclerc actually... They did a great strategy, and Leclerc ended up coming through the field, I believe, and beat Perez in the race. Uh, yes, trying he to, did yeah. pass. And, and yeah, yeah. So Ferrari have been in good, good here. So um, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the conversion. <laughs> Maybe. A question from P1 Patreon member James BWFC22. The recent layout changes have helped slightly, but what more needs to change on the circuit to make it worthy of being the final race? 
So what they need to do um, is to look at what Brazil looks like as a track and create it. Uh, so then we get back-to-back Brazils. Uh, Sepang, sure, but still slightly below Brazil um, in terms of in terms of that. Uh, look, they've they've made changes. I'm not going to slander them because they have made changes that we've asked for. That chicane in the first sector gone. We've got less less aggressive 90 degree corners. I'm not going to judge it too harshly now. You know that, that I'm sure they could do other things, but right now they've taken a step forward. I'd say with how the track is. Let's see how the racing is because we need a few more years of of examples here and of uh, of evidence of whether or not this track is better uh, for for the changes it made. But for me, I think it is, uh, and I'm not going to slander it too much until we've had a couple more years, which we're definitely going to get. Abu Dhabi is going to be on the on the calendar till 2100, so uh, we're going to get plenty of evidence of that. Yeah, uh, and I'm pretty sure they've signed a a deal that means that they're going to be the finale for a very long time, which. I think there's there's better circuits, of course. Like we mentioned, Brazil. Fifteen but... years they've they've yeah. been the final for now. Yay! Um, although, like, this is the thing. Like the 2021, the race wasn't that good, uh, and people would argue still wasn't good. What happened at the end? But obviously, there was entertainment at the end. But that was because of a safety car. Um, uh, and then, of course. We've just done a Patreon podcast. Uh, this was before the track t- changes, but the other, you could argue two times where there's been a title decision, it's because the other car couldn't overtake, which uh, is kind of not a great look. Um, it's certainly been made better, though, hasn't it, the, the, the circuit? Um, that chicane was absolutely awful at the start. The fact that they can, you know, if you can follow another car through those corners, you can make a lunge into that into that chicane. Um so it's not the worst circuit in the world. I'd still much prefer even Vegas now because apparently I really enjoy that track now. But I don't wow, okay. One, one, one race around Vegas. One race. Okay. But I, I do want your... them to, I think I just want them to mix up circuits more. Um, and I think the fact that this is locked in as a finale for forever uh, doesn't really excite me that much personally. Money talks, Tommy, though. But Money talks. And unfortunately, uh, when they're when they're thinking about the finale, they don't go, so what do the fans want? Um, they say, uh, who has the highest, or who is the highest bidder? Uh, and Abu Dhabi has been that for, for quite some time. And that is it. That is a, a rather long chat about uh, Friday practice, the final Friday of the year. And... Um, Yes, it should be quite interesting with the lack of running that we've seen in in free practice too. Um, Should make for hopefully another exciting qualifying at the very least. We'll be live on Twitch tomorrow for that. And of course, live for the final race of the year on Sunday as well. Tommy, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts are that I really hope that the form that we're seeing uh, is true between... Ferrari, McLaren and Red Bull uh, and it's we get another banging qualifying session and then the race actually delivers as well because this season really does need to go on a on a bang I think how it's how certainly it's does I believe it I think Red Bull are a little bit on the back foot when it comes to at least one lap pace um, I'm sure they'll be very quick in the race as always um, but uh, yeah we'll have to wait and see thank you everybody for watching and listening we'll see you very soon for another chat P1 podcast whatever you call it I don't know anymore Bye. Bye. Adios. Bye-bye.
Ciao for now. P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.